Wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast, yeah. Wrestling with my brother. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that's just been fired by its own father. It's <laughs> wrestling with my brother. You're bloody fired. You do one event wrong in 20 plus years, you're gone. Get away from me. <laughs> I our own father. father rather than Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, we, bo- we both thought we had to put that out there just in case there was any confusion. I know my uh, oh, impressions have gone downhill, but yeah, not, not by that much. I can't believe that. What? Not our dad. What? Is that just because he fucked up the Rumble? One event. Look at everything he's done physically for that company alone. Your dad's never going to love you, Shane. You can throw yourself off cells and through <laughs> tables, but you fuck one event and you're fired. Just give it up, son. You're never going to win his love. <laughs> like, I remember when AEW started and, like, on Twitter, all you could see was so-and-so was all elite. You're like, oh! <gasps> No fucking way! And like, it's so easy. Like, I come from a Photoshop background, and I didn't realize it was that easy to Photoshop someone in. And all I'm seeing now is Shane is all elite. No, he's not. Hardly anyone's all elite that Twitter tells me is all elite. Well, I think uh, I think there's a lot of rumors going around, but it's probably just as likely that he just left. I mean, he was fairly successful after he left the first time. I think he had, you know, a, a career outside WWE and then, you know, he came back, I think just, I don't know, because he wanted to be part of it, but who knows what really goes on behind the scenes. Dave Meltzer is probably the only person who knows these things. <laughs> he knows all. Perhaps you're going to work with Dave. Maybe. Although people have been saying that Shane and Triple H should just fuck off and start their own independent promotion because with their ideas and you know the people they know and the wrestlers they've brought through the system, they have a fantastic chance of competing with Vince. Yeah. Insane championship wrestling too. Maybe you could take it over. Yeah. That that would be awesome. Yeah, well, look what he did with NXT and then Vince's like, hang on, it's, well, I don't know the reasons, but I assume I'm, you know, filling in the blanks. I'm going to get a bit too uh, too successful. We're going to change it up and put all coloured paint splatters everywhere and dull it down. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? And you're fire all the good wrestlers. Yeah, you had a formula that was working and uh, you chat all over it. Oh, there's, uh, there's rumours now of AEW bringing in the hottest free agent and they're all like, Who's it going to be? Who knows? I don't know. There's nothing yet. <laughs> People are saying who, Keith Lee. Maybe. Who is the hottest free agent? Probably Keith Lee. Uh, I mean, yeah, Matt Cardone is having an amazing run in the Indies. He's he's literally gone from Fed to Fed. So I won't be surprised. He, I think he has he been on the air? Uh, no, he's been on Impact. But yeah, it's, well, just take the pick. I mean, anyone that Vince is kick to the curb including Shane they're all in for a shot but I I don't I, I like the home we call them homegrown talents even though like Adam Page and all the rest of them were you know famous in other promotions they've got a superstardom in AEW I don't like him just doing a WCW and bringing in all of Vince's talent but you know a few of them have uh, gone over well Punk being the obvious uh, obvious choice yeah, I mean, I hope that AEW is more than just a retirement home for ex-WWE <laughs> employees. I think, you know, there is a danger of them picking up too many 
of those. I think they should look elsewhere, like you said, to some of the indie promotions where they've got some, you know, really good superstars in the making. Poach them and make them the next big thing rather than, oh, look, this guy's just been fired by WWE. Let's give him a chance. Or her. Yeah, it's a good move to do it when you're just establishing as a company, bring in some big names like what Bischoff did, you know, in Dubsy Dub, bringing in Hogan and, and the big marquee names to to give you a bit of clout. But they've, they've been established for, for years, well, a couple of years now. So just bring in your own people. God. Anyway, we could rant about uh, A-Dub all day long. Let's do the first segment, bro. What are you saying? I'm saying... Would you rather? Okay, so this one's about gimmicks. Would you rather portray your own nationality in a highly exaggerated, stereotypical way for laughs or portray a different nationality? Obviously, as as a wrestler, as your character. What? So the the different nationality would be more serious and less tongue in cheek. Yeah, or or any anything could be anything. But they say, right, you've either got to do a Welshman, where you come to the ring wearing a miner's outfit, carrying <laughs> a leak, and talking about shagging sheep and any Welsh stereotype you can think of. You, your music is a choir. <laughs> um, or you've got to go out there and play a Frenchman. Oh, yeah, I don't like French people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to any French people listening. I could, if that was the the yeah choice, I'd be Welsh all day long. I, I'd ride a blow up sheep to the ring, but I don't know. Pourquoi? Bless you. No, that's why in French. Why don't you like French people? I uh, I lived with a, a couple of them in uni and they just properly lived up to the stereotype. I actually work... <laughs> what is the stereotype? Onions around their neck, berries? Yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> fucking miming everywhere. <laughs> Croissants every morning? Yeah, yeah mimes? Marcel. Yeah, yeah. just hand organs. Just, like, piss off. <laughs> um, no, just... Just smug, arrogant, just rude, obnoxious, derisive. And, you know, I actually work with a French guy now and he has broken the mould. He's a lovely guy. And I'm like, oh, but you're French. I don't get it. So that's weird. But yeah. I don't think you can judge the entire French people by two bad onions. What they went to, there was a contingent of them. They all come over in the second year of uni. And I lived with three of them, but they had like, <laughs> it was so really stupid. They had house parties there and all the time during university. I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway, let's let's move on from racism with my brother to uh, the third point. Oh, I don't know. I can, I can as, as you and the listeners know, I'm awesome at impressions. So six or one half a dozen. Either. Most of the time we make it, these would you rather's one is like fucking hell no I'd, I'd rather do something bad because that one is way worse either can i say either can i do both can i be a, a, a can i just be die die the die the minor for like a year and then go and pray francois dupree i think 
I'd rather portray my own nationality because at least I've got a handle on some of the in-jokes and some of the things. And I can apologise, you know, for, for the things. And I can do it in a kind of a slightly less offensive way. Um, I think if you're portraying another nationality, you're just going to be doing a stereotype because you don't know enough about it. And that could cause actual real offence. So, yeah, I think I'd rather... And certainly I, I couldn't pretend to be a nationality that I didn't like, but I'm not going to name any nationality that I don't like because I'm not a racist. <laughs> and let's not make this a race thing. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I'm not. I wouldn't pass that as racist. They're not a race, are they? They're just a different country. I, I'm not allowed to not like countries. <laughs> and stereotype everyone in there as the same. Well, I can't now. Like I said, the guy I work with, he's broken the mold. I'm like, oh, he's really nice, really down to earth. And I thought that was just him being on his best behavior. No, I've got to know him, and he is a really nice guy. <laughs> so, I mean, you're you're proper Welsh proud though, and I I I couldn't give two rats' ass to be honest where I come from. You love it. You were so proud. You couldn't give two rats asses. I mean, that's not a saying. That's how much you couldn't care. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that was. I was open. You glaze over it. Even glaze over it. Is that a term? I don't even know. Let's move What's on. Over it? <laughs> Would you rather glaze over it like a donut? <laughs> Sorry, I'm tired keep all this in it's gold all right let's get on with it because i can read off my notes that i've already written for the most part can't even talk don't spoil the magic people think this is spontaneous banter but on, i can't even talk come on engage brain okay this is my first pick this is amazing this is prince puma versus pentacon junior pentacon already got it wrong pentagon junior at lucha underground Momentum, Lucha on drag, creates space, Puma on the move. They're going for it, they're going oh, for Puma's it. Puma's a little groggy, both men. Yeah, they're rocking, ooh. There you go, you want to see that from Puma if you're a Puma fan, and you want to see that from Pentagon if you're a Pentagon fan. Cover here. Fam, to your point, these covers are lax. They're very lax, but that one we just saw was so awesome. Kicked his lungs out. Come on, man. But it's not enough. The hand of Puma outstretched, perhaps reaching for the gods. This is our first Lucha Underground clip. And I've wanted to feature them for a while now. And this is as good an introduction as any. But you're already questioning it. This stuff is clip. I had it in my mind that we've had one before, but I think now I'm thinking about another short-lived promotion that you featured a couple of clips from. Which I'm about to mention, so there oh, you go. Oh, goodness me. So Lucha Underground was founded in 2014, and it's partly owned by the AAA promotion in Mexico. Thank you, Wikipedia. I assume that's correct. <laughs> it has a bit of a, you're correct, Wrestling Society X feel to it. That kind of MTV in, in a basement somewhere, limited crowd, but kind of all, all kind of all out action. Unfortunately, it dissolved in 2020. But uh, have you heard of Major League Wrestling, MLW? They were kind of another indie promotion. They had a lot of ECW stars back in the day. So MLW Fusion has now started incorporating story elements from Lucha. So it kind of lives on uh, in that promotion now. But anyway, on to the match. 
Prince Puma, a.k.a. our favourite Irish wrestler, Rick O'Shea, versus Pentagon Jr., a.k.a. Penta El Zero Miedo in AEW, as one half of the Lucha Brothers with real-life brother Ray Phoenix. I mean, Jesus Christ, the action here is insane, as you'd well imagine. I was looking for kind of marquee match for this promotion, and I, this one came up, and I'm like, oh, well, I love Pentagon. And I didn't even know at the time Puma was, was Rick. But then all the comments are like, match of the year, amazing. Uh, yeah, just, just some of the spots. That superhero landing from Puma. Slick enough to make Deadpool slow clap and appreciation. That huge slap you had around the world. Just, I, I don't want to call all the spots because I've obviously given more of the backstory in this one. But just silky, smooth, luchador action from two of the best, in my opinion. You know, it was an interesting finish. I even think Matt Striker and Vampiro did a good job on commentary. It had, like you said, that Society X explosive, anything can happen kind of feel. I know it was only 10 minutes, but oh, how smooth was that shit? Lovely stuff. <laughs> I really like the Lucha Libre style of wrestling, although watching this clip, I realised that most of the Lucha Libre matches I've seen have been in the main US promotions rather than Mexican ones or Mexican spin-off ones. So it was really interesting to see something that, okay, while not actually Mexico-based, was a lot more inspired by that Lucha Libre style than anything else. Um, although I've got to say, the American pronunciation of Puma as Puma is absolutely ridiculous. Prince Puma, Poo, <laughs> just come on, get it together, America. What is wrong with you? Puma, the rest of the world knows how to pronounce it. Puma, Great. Tonight, guys, we're alienated France, the whole of the US. Um, who's next? <laughs> Wait and see. Actually, it's quite quite funny because I've, I've made the point in my notes that this is probably the most international episode we've ever done because <laughs> we've got British, Japanese, New Zealand, American and Mexican wrestlers. Look at us. Look at us. Anyway, yes, I made the point as well on my notes that Prince Puma was ricochet because I looked at him and thought, OK, that guy looks a little bit familiar. So uh, I Googled who, who was under the mask. And uh, yeah, it turns out to be none other than that guy that I was um, praising a few podcasts ago. And um, yeah, the identity of Pentagon Junior is is unknown. His, his real name is a secret, like many masked Mexican wrestlers. It's such a strange situation where... They're not known publicly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a good match. I love that springboard that was intercepted by the dropkick. The Northern Lights rollover into that second suplex. That was really good. And the finish was unique. I've never seen a finish like that before. I have. But only once. At Wrestlefest, at one of Terry Funk's thousand retirement shows, he, who was it? So he was against Bret Hart in the final. Bret Hart won. And he kind of, they both had their shoulders in the mat. And then he put his one shoulder up at the very last second. So the three count went against Funk. But that was the only other time. But yeah, clever, clever stuff. I like the other guy sitting on the throne watching the, the action as well. That was quite interesting. <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> the only thing I will say, and I don't want to... I mean, I suppose it goes with the theme of the discussions we've had so far about disparaging <laughs> cultures and stuff. No, it's that while I appreciate the masked style and the history and the heritage of it, I think there's something to be said for the kind of facial expressions that wrestlers pull sometimes when they're telling a story. And it, it makes it difficult with 
two masked wrestlers to get that kind of feeling. But I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's different. It's, that's all I would say. Well, I, I like to see wrestlers putting on a show and the face and the facial expression is part of that. Um, and if they're masked, it's, it's a lot more difficult. Well, if you look at Pentagon, at least you can see his eyes. I can see his eyes. That's Dwight from The Office. Um, and you can see his mouth. But, you know, with like Jushin Thunder Liger, you can, you can even see a fingernail, just head to foot covered. So that is weird. You you don't know what's happening there. But, yeah, I mean, this this promotion is weird. Like you said, it's, it's a lot more Americanized. But almost all the wrestlers on their roster wore masks. They were all pretty much luchadors. Um, and then it made the other non-luchadors really stand out because, yeah, you had all these crazy gimmicks. A lot of animals. Yeah, I think there were a few cat uh, luchadors as well as Puma. But, yeah, I, I might feature some more matches. Um, a lot of them have barbed wire and glass and a lot of kind of violence. So, I'll, you know, I'll, maybe I'll just do two in an episode just because you haven't had any for a while. But, yeah, I, I just thought it's a good, uh, good match to kick, kick things off with. Well, while we're on the subject of violence and blood, let's segue into my first clip, which is the Fantastics versus the Sheep Herders. So this was actually inspired by your Royal Rumble choice from our last episode, because one of the Bushwhackers uh, was in that Rumble. And after recording, I thought, oh, I haven't seen the Bushwhackers for a while. So uh, I looked them up and saw what happened to them and who they were. And they were both in the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, as they deserve to be. But I found out that before they were in the WWF, where they were portrayed as a goofy family favourite comedy tag team, they actually had a reputation as one of the most violent, hard-hitting teams in the business. They went by many different names, but the Sheep Herders um, is who they were calling themselves at this time. And I always think it's odd to see wrestlers you know so much from one gimmick or phase of their career in a completely different guise. And God, you really couldn't get much more different than, you know, the sadistic violence of the sheep herders versus the goofy comedy of the bushwhackers who, you know, they would come in with a stupid walk. They would absolutely adore adored by children they would have friendly interactions with the audience they were just two daft men compared <laughs> to these sadistic swines could, could you imagine if sandman swapped his beer for a bottle of sunny delight and came to the ring with a plastic lightsaber instead of a kendo stick do you know how he did start life as a wrestler oh, uh, in a barney the dinosaur costume Ah, oh, I don't know if I should save this or just send it to you. Do you know why he's called the Sandman? Did he used to tell children bedtime stories? He was a surfer. He used to come to the ring, br- br- still with his bright blonde hair, full-on wetsuit and a surfboard. Did not know that. The other way around, he came in as the Sandman and he was like, hey, dudes, like proper hogan and it up in a fucking wetsuit to then become a he's done it in reverse. Well, I did not know that. Wow. You learn something new on this podcast, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird to think that this clip was in 1986, just as the WWF was hitting its stride in its really family-friendly PG way. And here are some of its future stars drawing quite big crowds for the type of violent matches that wouldn't look out of place in an ECW ring. 
you know, the, the wrestling itself wasn't much to write home about. I'm not sure there were actually any real moves or holds, but the violence and blood were quite shocking. Um, and I think it was aided by the fact it was a really good quality video, especially mm. for the time and the fact it was an independent promotion. You know, the bit where they had the guy tied by his neck to the ropes while he was bleeding like a pig. Um, I, I couldn't make out what they were using to inflict the blood. It was a fork or something, but they were kind of gutting each other all over the shop. I thought, yeah, this would be right up Craig Street, this amount of blood. <laughs> I, I, I'm obviously getting to just, yeah, Darren Evans featuring a hardcore match. I started watching it thinking, is that? Oh, it bloody is. Oh, it's them. This is going to be goofy now. And I thought, okay, it's quite a lot. Of, like the opening bell. I'm like, did you bleed before you came out or what the hell's going on? I mean, yeah, like you said, 1986. I really can't remember watching this when I was one years old. I just... And like the lack of commentary, it made it really r- real. It had that element of reality and it was bloody and wild. I, I honestly was not expecting. I thought, oh, here we go. He loves his retro vintage clips. What goofiness have we got in store here? Expecting like Gorilla Monsoon to be narrating it or someone similar. I'm like, oh, this is dark. And it was just like 60 minutes of, Oh, fuck, this is a legitimate fight. It, like, the only commentary in inverted commas was a guy in the microphone going, step away from the wrestlers, move back. I'm like, holy shit, this feels real. Like, yeah, like you said, it would have been at home in ECW, but dare I say it, and Joey, I hope you're not listening because you will go down as my favourite commentator of all time, but without the commentary and with that element of step away from the guardrails, do not touch the performers, you're like, is this fucking real? Is this a legitimate shoot fight going on? It, it, insane. Like you said, no Aussie accents, no silly walks. Instead, we got bloodshed literally from the opening bell, weapons, and none other segue here, ECW's own Jack Victory. Did not know. You probably didn't even know Jack Victory's an ECW, do you? Rubbish. No. What a loser. Jack Victory's been around, obviously, since the 80s. As a wrestler, he is Steve Carino's kind of manager in ECW, and he was part of the whole network with Cyrus and Tajiri and all the kind of... But yeah, he had a massive feud with uh, New Jack when he came in, and I'm like, is that Jack Victory with a fucking mullet? And it was. Lo and behold. Also, um, if you're going to call me a loser for getting something wrong or not knowing something, you just said they had Aussie accents when they're actually from New Zealand, so... Uh. Oh, it's the same thing, isn't it? Stereotype, and again, bro, it's all the same. <laughs> I don't know. This is all going to be on the, the cutting room floor, isn't it? <laughs> there, there, there goes Australasia, all our Australasian <laughs> listeners, gone. It's like Eurovision in reverse, nil point. I know they're not in Europe before you start. <laughs> Wrong continent. Well, Australia so, are in Eurovision now, which is really weird. Oh, um, I can't think of a quick enough quip for that. No, I just wanted to end this uh, really strange choice of clip from you. <laughs> this, this is a brilliant YouTube comment um, going against everyone in the comments saying that WWF ruined their careers um, as the Bushwhackers. But he said, no, that's complete wrong. They were old, beat up, tired of fighting all these violent bloody brawls all across the world. And, you know, wouldn't you, after years of cutting yourself and just 
like you said, there were many moves. It wasn't very athletic, but you're still taking bumps. It's still, some must be knackering. They all look dead by the end of it. Vince goes to you, right, I'm going to give you thousands of dollars more than you were getting to play a silly gimmick and, you know, smile for some kids. Would you do it? It's, it's a lesser schedule. You don't have to bleed any. Actually, I don't want you to bleed. You don't have to beat anyone up with forks. Do a few moves, a few silly gag matches, and you're done. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, sign me up. So everyone's like, oh, he ruined them. Not really. If they were still going, so imagine if they didn't become the Bushwhackers, they'd be in some fucking bingo hall somewhere, stabbing the shit out of Abdullah the Butcher for $20 probably. So, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, they extended their careers by a decade because yeah. there's no way they would have lasted that long putting their bodies through the type of punishment they were going through in matches like this. But yeah, it, it's just for me... It's one of those examples of wrestlers not being the wrestlers that I know. Yeah. You know, seeing them at a totally different part of their career. And, I mean, you said about Sandman. I suppose that is, you know, there's going to be a big difference there between the surfer character and his later ECW iteration. But I think to go from ultra-violent, sadistic, brutal hardcore wrestlers to family friendly kid favorite goofy ejects like they became <laughs> it is such a a 180 you know, yeah. I, I don't think there's going to be many examples quite like this in in the world of wrestling we've i even remember the toys remember those in the arms would be yeah you could as he's doing it now you could move the bloody arms to make him walk it was that is part of that golden era of wrestling for us they hold you know, as much place in our hearts as Hogan and Warrior. That was that era. And yeah, good, good on them. I, I, I never knew they were bloody, well, bloody. <laughs> oh, yeah. So my next clip is cleverly titled, Never Tell a Wrestler That Wrestling Is Fake. I ask Schultz questions that I assume all wrestlers have been asked dozens of times. What? Is this a good business? Yeah, it's a good business. I wouldn't be in it if it wasn't. Why is it a good business? Because only the tough survive. That's the reason you ain't in it. And this punk holding the camera reading he ain't in it. Reading these rednecks out here ain't in it because it's a tough business. That's terrific. Wait, is that all you got? I'll ask you the standard question. You know? Standard question. I think this is fake. You think it's fake? What's that? Is that fake? Huh? What the hell's wrong with you? That's open hand slap, huh? You think it's fake? So, I've just realised that apart from one clip, we've gone full on 80s with this episode. I kind of ruined it in my first clip. If I'd have known, I would have gone, yeah, super retro. I mean, this infamous interview took place between John Stossel, nope, never heard of him either, and Dr. D, nope, never heard of him either, back in 1984. Um, I don't think he was an actual doctor unless it was in Thugonomics, to be honest, based on this little performance. Um, you know, we've covered reporters and interviewers getting a little bit roughed up by wrestlers to prove a point and for them to protect the business. Um, you know, Louis Threw springs to mind and Big Van Vader and his uh, dad tank top be, being a bit rough. But this for me was always one that I wanted to choose because I'd heard of the ones you know I'd, I'd seen the ones that you chose but this kind of stood out for me as oh shit that is that's real <laughs> so yeah I, I mean it's, it's the basic setup that we've seen before 
you know, you've got the geeky interviewer insinuating that wrestling's fake, but instead of just a tongue lashing, he gets smacked full on in the face, not once but twice. What the hell is wrong with you? There was an open hand slap. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you're huge. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about it. I know it's only like a 20 second clip, but this one stood out for me as just, you know, you, you can grab someone by the collar and kind of shake him about a bit, but he fell to his ass twice. And uh, <laughs> one comment in the video said, damn, he slapped him back to factory settings. <laughs> Which I thought it was really funny, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know of Dr. D. I suppose he also went by Dr. Death, but Steve Williams took that moniker on. So I, I think he went more by Dr. D. I think he was in the tag team back in the eighties, but yeah, he just looked pissed off from the start. And he's like, anymore, you're gonna say what to say to me. He was just, just really uncomfortable to watch, but I don't think we're gonna get a more violent interaction than that. No, well, it's funny you, you say there's not much more to say about it, but actually this is such a notorious incident that it's made a full episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Have you seen that one? No. Right, okay. Well, this was huge because this guy sued and he won uh, $280,000, I think, from WWF. Um, and Schultz was basically fired shortly after this. This ended his career. Um, and he's maintained that Vince McMahon himself told him to go out there and hit the reporter. He knew that the reporter was going to be there and he was going to ask him about wrestling being fake. And he said that Vince McMahon said, blast him, tear his ass up, stay in character. And he did that, did as he was told, and then got fired because of the fallout from it. And it, it absolutely ruined his career. He's um, he, he didn't wrestle in the major leagues again. And he actually went on to become a bounty hunter and various related careers. <laughs> I've only watched certain Dark Side of the Rings. I haven't watched them all, but uh, maybe I should have watched that one in preparation for this. But It's a really good episode, actually. And the guy, he's a little bit um, angry about it still, but I don't think he holds that much of a grudge. Um, he, he did, although, uh, give evidence at Vince McMahon's uh, steroid trial in the early 90s. And he said that, um, well, he testified against McMahon, um, you know, burning even more bridges with him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a it's an absolutely classic clip, and um, we've talked a lot about reporters and interviewers asking these kinds of questions before and their reaction to them. And yeah, this is probably the most famous and most hard hitting example of all of them. Literally, yeah. There's not much more we can dissect, but it is what it is. I mean, I I would like to challenge you to find a more aggressive uh, interview where it just went completely sideways. But I think we've covered most of them now with, yeah, like I said, Louis and the, was it Q8? The Undertaker and, yeah. Vader, yeah. Yeah. There is another one that um, comes to mind when Hulk Hogan was on uh, TVAM, uh, good morning Britain back in the 80s and he's being challenged on whether wrestling's fake and I just he's obviously very polite and very mild-mannered and he says you know we don't call it a sport we call it sports entertainment because mm -hmm. it mixes elements of sport and elements of entertainment and drama and, and theatre and all these sort of things and the um, the presenter keeps questioning him on it and I just like oh god how 
good would that have been if Hogan kicked his ass live on British breakfast <laughs> TV in the 80s? I think I think as a nation, we would have just gone insane over that. I mean, there would be a public yeah. inquiry and it would have just gone mad. Big it's boot, so funny. Big boot, leg drop, commercial break. Done. That's how it's done. That's how you end a TV segment. And the guy who did it as well, the ironic thing about it is he went on to work for Sky Sports as a football pundit. And of course, you know, Sky Sports is the home of uh, WWE in the UK, mm. or at least it uh, it was. Oh, st- yeah, it still is. Yeah, yeah. It's got, I mean, the network exists, but yeah, it, it still is. So it's quite ironic that this guy who whose career ultimately is, is partly funded by the WWE. It's, uh, it's so critical of Hogan. But there we go. Maybe that's a clip we can pick in another episode. Nice. Oh, yeah. On to my final clip. This is Dynamite Kid versus Tiger Mass. Now I've wanted to feature a Dynamite Kid match for a while just because he's British and he was so good and I recently watched I'm talking about it again but I do love it it's my favourite thing at the moment to watch his Dark Side of the Ring episode about his career and all the controversies about his behaviour outside of the ring some of which were funny in the hijinks and the nonsense and the pranks that he got up to in the locker room. And some wasn't so funny, like the way that he treated his wife and family and actually other wrestlers at times. And I'm, I'm not going to condone the way that he acted outside of the ring, but, oh God, in the ring, he was revolutionary and inspirational, bringing a style and a level of realism that hadn't been seen before. You know, he melded all of these different, styles these kind of high-flying technical mat based i mean he had all these different things but combined with the stiffness and the realism that british wrestling at the time had and this was one of his most famous early feuds with the legendary tiger mask in japan and in fact it was only the second match ever to be given five stars by wrestling journalist dave Meltzer. And I know this is only a short clip, but you can see the intensity and the skill from both competitors. And that bit when they go out of the ring at the end must have damaged Dynamite's back because the way he crashes into the guardrail and bends it. And that, you know, that guardrail is not a fake prop wrestling thing. That's an actual metal thing to <laughs> keep the crowd away. So God knows the damage that must have done. But yeah, you know, such an intense rivalry and such a, a skilled pair of wrestlers, really. Yeah, I couldn't understand a word of it, but, uh, you know, <laughs> commentary aside, just a dig at Japan as well, just to get them all in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I love how Dynamite goes straight, Dynamite, hee-hee, you go straight for the mask. Yeah, you don't see that very often now, and I love that, you know, going for the mask and storytelling. You, I listen to, like, the Busted Open podcast, and the Bubba Rage keeps, sorry, Bully Ray, as he likes to be known as now, he keeps on going on. There's no storytelling in wrestling anymore. It's just spot after spot after spot. There's no kind of build up to anything. There's no working over injuries or anything like that. So that was good to see from the offset. I mean, Dynamite Benoit kid was just so ahead of his time. You know, he influenced Chris Benoit, as we've said. And like you mentioned, his moves were like no one else in that era. All, all now, you know, just that aggression, the believability 
But yeah, like you said, kind of the technical high flying. I mean, you can see certainly where Ben Wagner's moveset from Chris Jericho, who's another kind of high flying technical, more of a hybrid wrestler than clear cut. Rey Mysterio is a high flying luchador, you know, Jericho, Benoit, Lance Storm, all of those, Bret Hart, you know, all of those kind of Canadian based wrestlers, I suppose, have been inspired by him. You can see in their styles. Yeah, nice surfboard stretch by Tiger. Do you remember we used to do the surfboard stretch on like SmackDown games, trying it ourselves, even when we were a lot lighter and we still couldn't do it. But it, it, it does look really impressive and you don't see that now either. So a lot of the stuff, I'm like, no, oh, it's just like really frozen in time. Yeah, but Christ, that crossbody, my God. There was an ECW version where, um, I think it was Mike Awesome crossbody, JT Smith on the guardrail on his back your back's not supposed to bend the other way. It only goes one way. So, oh yeah, it was, uh, it was bad. And it is sad to see, you know, dynamite in a wheelchair and, you know, he'll always have that legacy though, as being a true, you know, trailblazer. I know his health is, uh, is very much in decline, but yeah, just back in the day, I know you featured him with Davy Boy Smith and yeah, you, you, again, I think that was like an era where I was, grown up and away from wrestling and really appreciate it for what it was but you know yet again thank god for pod because we could relive these classic moments absolutely no his his health is in decline so much so that he died three years ago do you know what as i was saying i thought fuck i'm sure he's dead he was in a wheelchair though for years wasn't he yeah he was and he didn't look like his former self you know he'd um he'd no. Got very old looking very quickly. Yes. Um, and, you know, when he eventually came back to the UK after all the personal issues that he had, again, that documentary it talks about how he, he just started fighting, um, like, for money in the streets. You know, he would fight people in pub car parks and things like that uh, to get that high again. You know, not, not the drugs high, which he also yeah. had, but I mean, you know, the high of the, the adrenaline, the fighting, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's quite a sad story, but, you know, for somebody who was so revolutionary and respected by so many wrestlers for his ability in the ring, it was a, it was a sad end to his life and a sad story, but um, yeah, I, I'm just, you know, always happy to see a, a short wrestler doing well. <laughs> it gives you hope, bro, doesn't it, eh? It gives you hope, because you're like, oh, I'm not as short as Ray or, or quite as athletic, Obviously, this is how high your voice goes. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he, he gives you hope or gave you hope. Are you still clinging on to the, the dreams of being a wrestler? Or Good God, no. No? <laughs> really? I, can't, I, I can't even wrestle my children anymore. They beat me up. <laughs> wrestle with your brother, though, didn't you? Ew. Ew. On the weekend, yes. from the bloody walls of Jericho, barred foot and all, flip him over, flip him over, trying to put me in a bloody... And a figure four you were trying for, failed miserably. Yeah, my daughter put you in a Walls Jericho. And then I, I put her in one as well. So, you know, and I pinned her for three. <laughs> She's proper trying to kick out after two. I put all my weight into it. Like, you ain't getting that, honey. <laughs> Not all my weight, but it's 40%. <laughs> you never thought uh, to wrestle. I had a dream go. We the other night, no, I know you're going to go into the serious stuff, but this is like the banter portion now. I had a dream the other night that I bladed and I was just bleeding, but I was really annoyed. I did it right up in my hairline. I don't know how I looked in the mirror because I was in the middle of a wrestling match and it only came to my nose. And I thought, oh, I'm really pissed off. That bloody kills. 
And I'd done about an inch cut across, you know, proper. It's, what was that noise? Proper in my hairline. <laughs> proper in my hairline. And I said, like, oh, that's a fucking insignificant amount of blood. And that was my entire dream that night. So just just part of my life. I so dedicated to this podcast, even dreams about it. Yeah. Dreaming, dreaming with my wrestling. I love it, bro. It's my life. Well, we've been wrestling with my brother and daughter and niece. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We apologise for all the various nationalities that we've offended in this week's episode. We're just joking. It's just jokes. Chill out. We love the whole world. Jesus, just come together. Peace and harmony, yeah? Peace and love. It's just jokes. We're all going to die and there's no sequel, yeah? That's Ricky. Stole that. We only jest. We're innocent. I haven't got, as I say, I haven't got a bone in my body. I haven't got a nasty bone in my body. We welcome everyone, one and all. We're just having a bit of banter, me. God. We're an inclusive, loving podcast. So come and listen to us. Check out our back catalogue on every podcast platform and find us on Twitter at WrestleBrosPod. We're, we're everywhere. And we love making these podcasts every other week when we've got time in our busy lives. And we hope you love listening to them as well. And we'll see you next time for more Wrestling With My Brother. Yes, we will. I love that you put in now on the sign-off how busy our lives are. Just to reiterate that when they're clamouring for more, fuck off. I say this every week, you ungrateful pricks. We're too busy. You slid it in, that's what she said, every well, every other week because we're too busy to do it every week. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I think they get the picture now, bro. They're banging on my door, mind. They, they're dying for more. And I'm like, it's bi-monthly, you pricks. Every time I try to end this seriously and professionally, you go back to the bant portion. Bant with my brother. Bye, everyone. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast. Yeah. Wrestling with my brother. 